1984. Ronald Reagan is our 40th president. Time After Time by Cyndi Lauper was all over the radio. Ghostbusters was setting records in the box office. And on June 29th, police got a call about a domestic disturbance that would launch an investigation into a missing mother that has been unsolved for nearly 40 years. I'm Cassandra Cepeda, and this is Forgotten, Cindy Jones, Buried Secrets. It all started with a 911 call. Norman and Cindy Jones lived in a quiet Wassa neighborhood on the city's west side with their three kids who were four, seven, and eight at the time. Neighbors knew the Joneses' relationship was rocky and would later tell police it was abusive. But on Friday, June 29, 1984, it wasn't just another argument. This fight was different. It was dangerous. The caller said they saw Cindy bruised, bloody, and screaming for help. It's likely the kids were home when the police showed up, but what they saw, we don't really know. And I think it's important to talk about this right away. There are a lot of details missing in this case. When I started digging in and asking questions, it was clear the age of this case was going to make it difficult to find answers. The original detectives who worked on the investigation are no longer with the Wassa Police Department. To learn about Cindy's disappearance, I spoke with Patrol Lieutenant Jennifer Holtz. She took over the case in 2019. And as you can imagine, in terms of technology, a lot has changed over 38 years, including how police keep their records. Just a quick side note, I'd also like to apologize for the audio. Our team did the interview in a small room with a surprisingly loud fan, which can make it difficult to hear the lieutenant at times. So bear with me. We don't have any records dating back that far here at the department, so I had to actually reach out to the DA's office and get their um, copy of the criminal file associated with this case. And what she shared with me from 1984 was shocking and honestly, pretty disturbing. After getting that 911 call, police officers arrived at Cindy and Norman's home, and Norman had a story. So the unfortunate thing is, and again, this is 1984, um, the officers knocked on the door and never actually made entry to the home. He met them at the door and said that she had left out the back door. And that was it. Police took Norman at his word, ignored the 911 call, and left without searching the home for Cindy or any other signs that something bad may have happened. That's just wild, right? Oh, for sure. I remember reading it and being very disappointed. I call that an understatement. However, I do want to be clear. I am not blaming the Wausau Police Department for how they handled the case or what they think happened to Cindy. Because as we will learn, what likely happened to Cindy was done by one man. But the lack of immediate intervention is absolutely maddening, and Lieutenant Holes agrees. Hearing that now, um, it's very sad, and obviously it's not our practice now. I, I can't speak for what happened in 1984, but um, certainly not something that would be uh, allowed now, or it, you wouldn't even consider leaving a domestic abuse incident without laying eyes on both of the people allegedly involved, so it's unfortunate and you wish you could go back and change that. Shortly after Cindy's initial disappearance, a missing persons report was filed and the investigation began. About three months later, officers did go back and search the home, including the basement, but they didn't find anything. 
And Norman stuck to his original story saying Cindy left and he didn't know where she was. Fast forward to February of 1985, police got a huge break. Norman confessed to a new girlfriend that he had killed Cindy and that he had buried her at one of his job sites in Park Falls, Medford area. Shortly after the confession, Norman was charged with first-degree intentional homicide in connection to Cindy's death. We were able to dig through the new Channel 7 archives and find video of Norman in court in 1985. If you'd like to see that for yourself, go to WSAW.com. At the time of Cindy's disappearance, Norman worked for the American Asphalt Company. Convenient, right? A person with the ability to hide a body in a number of gravel pits or quarries in the area. So it's an understatement to say investigators had a huge job ahead. From what I could see, um, a private excavator was hired to assist with digging out one of the known gravel pits that Norman had been working at around the time of Cindy's disappearance. And at the conclusion, they were unable to locate her body. The report says investigators searched areas in two cities, Park Falls and Medford. And if you're not familiar with central Wisconsin, there is about 60 miles between the two communities along Highway 13. I asked the lieutenant how long they searched and how many sites they searched, but she didn't have that information in the reports. So out of pure curiosity, I had our editor, Sean, look into how many gravel pits were just in the Park Falls and Medford areas. And holy buckets, there are a lot of them. So many, I'm just gonna let him tell you. Luckily, the Department of Transportation has an entire list of both current and past gravel sites that have been used. There are 226 total gravel and sand pit locations listed in just Price and Taylor counties alone. 14 of those are still producing material or are in service. The rest are no longer producing material, whether it's due to them being shut down or commercial property being built there. In total across the state, there are 12,000 pit locations, both actively or inactively producing material. So, needless to say, it would be a tall order to try and search through them all to find Cindy. Now you might be thinking, why does this matter? Well, sand and gravel are primarily used to manufacture asphalt, meaning it wouldn't necessarily raise any internal alarms for a worker with an asphalt company to take a trip to any number of these sites, especially after police came to his house looking for his then wife. So not only did Norman have access to basically an unlimited number of spaces to put Cindy, he also had a lot of time to do it. Because remember, Cindy was reported missing at the end of June and police didn't search their home until September. But without a body, the state ultimately dismissed the charges against Norman. And this is 1984, 1985. Um, so the idea of a bodiless homicide case was pretty much unheard of at that time. Um, I, can't, I can imagine that it was very disappointing for the detectives and investigators assigned to the case and that they couldn't bring justice and that they knew likely what had happened, but they just didn't have the evidence to prove it at that time. It's another case of had this happened today, I think there would have been a very different outcome. The only outcome we really do know is that no one has heard from Cindy or seen Cindy, including her kids, friends, or her employer. And Norman has never been convicted. So, is it possible that Cindy walked away from her life? I had to ask, but Lieutenant Holtz, 
doesn't think so. I think at that point, at this point, um, given the change, like she just abruptly stopped contacting uh, family, stopped going to work, um, all of those daily life activities, she, she abruptly stopped. I think at this point, um, we're comfortable with the fact that she's deceased. So I'm sure you're thinking at this point, what happened to Norman? Nothing good. Shortly after the charges were dropped, he left Wausau and moved to Florida, leaving his family behind. Lieutenant Holt says the kids eventually moved to Pennsylvania and lived with Cindy's mom out there. We did ask to be put in contact with Cindy's family, but the only number Wausau PD has is now disconnected. But that doesn't mean that Cindy's family or friends don't deserve to have some sort of closure or at least answers. I think just putting yourself in her family's shoes and recognizing that it, it would be awful if you didn't know the location of your loved one um, and that they were out there somewhere waiting to be found and reconnected with their family. Unfortunately, investigators won't get any information from Norman. According to an article from the Tampa Bay Times in September of 1990, an arrest warrant was issued for Norman in Florida. He was accused of strangling and dumping his girlfriend's body near a Manatee County boat ramp five months earlier. At the time, he was married to another woman, and it was evidence provided by her that convinced a judge to sign the warrant for his arrest. But before police could put cuffs on him, Norman died by suicide due to a drug overdose on April 28, 1990. Norman's choice to take his life never allowed him to be charged in the death of Tamara Ann Baker, his girlfriend. But what happened in Florida back then only confirmed what police are nearly certain of today. And that is, Cindy is likely dead and Norman is most likely responsible. But I was curious about how police response to domestic abuse has changed in the last four decades. So I reached out to Jane Graham Jennings. She's the executive director of the women's community in Wausau. It's a shelter that provides specialized services and resources for people in central Wisconsin affected by domestic violence, sexual assault, stalking, and human trafficking. Well, it definitely was very different than it is now. Um, part of what happened in the late 1980s was a change um, in Wisconsin nationwide. There are a number of states that changed, but in Wisconsin, um, where I'm most familiar, was a change from what they would call separate and mediate domestic violence to a mandatory arrest. Wisconsin's 1988 mandatory arrest law now requires police to arrest perpetrators of domestic violence when there is probable cause to believe an assault has occurred. So prior to mandatory arrest, um, when law enforcement was called to a home where there was an altercation, um, they would see it as a family issue and they would often separate the parties, ask one of them to go stay somewhere else for the night, um, thinking that they had ended the problem. And that was long before research and education and really doing in-depth discussion with survivors of domestic abuse. So how has the statute changed domestic violence prevention today, especially for police? And when do they take action? When um, law enforcement has probable cause that a crime is committed, and it is within a specific type of relationship. This is what the statute of mandatory arrest tells law enforcement. Um, if they are married, formally married, reside together, formally reside together, or have a child in common, if that relationship exists 
and there is physical evidence of abuse or a likelihood of continued abuse, um, and it's been reported within 28 days, this is a statute, um, they are required to determine a predominant aggressor and arrest that individual, including interviewing witnesses, children or neighbors, and they are specifically given strategies to use because the issue of domestic abuse is so complex. In this case, it was a neighbor who called the police and reported what they saw. So I asked Jane what people should do if they suspect domestic abuse. When we have neighbors or someone call and say, I'm not sure if I should get involved. Um, what if my neighbor gets mad at me because I called the police? And um, what I say is we want victims to have all the choices that they can and still when victims are trapped in a situation that they can't see or they don't think that there's a different way out. The only thing that I know to be true is nothing gets better if there's no intervention. And I think that's what's so frustrating because the neighbors did what they could. They did intervene. And police? Well, I asked her what it was like to hear Cindy's story knowing what should have happened or what would have happened just a few years later. You know, it's really hard for me to, to look back what was happening at that time. We didn't have the same information or understanding of, of domestic abuse that we do now. Um, what I can say is now um, it's still extremely complex and there's no easy fix and not everyone wants law enforcement involved. But when people do need law enforcement, they respond now and that's what's really important. So again, my purpose is not to say that the officers or the department are responsible for her disappearance. In the end, we may never know exactly what happened that day back in 1984. But maybe there's still hope that Cindy's remains will be found. Anybody who finds human remains always should call 911 and report it to your local law enforcement agency. And given that Cindy's DNA is now in NamUs, a nationwide database, um, we would eventually connect that back to her because she may not be located in, in Wausau. And Cindy, if by some miracle you're alive and listening, there are people still looking for you. You have not been forgotten. If you have a tip in the case of Cindy Jones, call the Wausau Police Department at 715-261-7800. And one more note from Jane and the women's community. I always think it's really important for people to know they don't have to report to the police to get services from our agency or any advocacy agency. So if someone is thinking, I don't know that I, I don't, I'm not sure what to do, but I don't want to call the police, they can call and we can talk them through safety planning and we can talk them through what happens when law enforcement does get involved and we can help them make informed decisions about planning for their safety. But you do not have to call the police to get advocacy and support. Call the women's community at 715-842-7323 to get 24-7 confidential help or call the National Domestic Violence Hotline at one 800 799-7233 or text START to 88788 because everyone deserves relationships free of domestic violence.